With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. All right, how you doing, everybody? Casey Ryan here again for uh, another bonus episode of the Cutting Room Floor. It's a Monday. I uh, had a little bit of extra time on my hands and thought I'd uh, put the line out there and see if there's anybody available for a quick show. Uh, and as luck would have it, I got to hook up with an old uh, friend of mine who I haven't actually spoken with in a long time, but uh, Angela Bell is here, and uh, if that name sounds familiar to you and you listen to the show regularly, um, Angela, I can proudly say, was one of the very first people that, that gave me a shot in terms of granting me an interview when I started this out about eight years ago. It's hard to believe it's been that long already. Uh, but since then, he and I have kept in contact, and he's let me know when he's up to some really cool stuff, which is usually pretty much all the time. Uh, he's the uh, the founder and uh, head man in charge over at Just Like Five Entertainment. Uh, he's an accomplished writer and director, uh, and over the course of the last four years, has gotten a uh, tele- uh, television development deal on a couple of the major networks, uh, Bravo and USA, uh, being the two, uh, and in the process of which, you know, not to uh, do himself, he's also decided to write a book about it, uh, sort of a, uh, a self-help book for, for people that are uh, in the industry. There's a lot of them out there that have uh, been on the show and others that are that are, have projects in development and they're looking to get their stuff pitched to, to networks. Uh, so a large part of the show is enablement and, and coaching and sharing best practices. So when Angela came forward with a project like this that he's trying to get off the ground, uh, you know, I, I volunteered right away to have him on. I was proud to have him back. So without further ado, the cutting room floor probably welcomes uh, our old friend Angela Bell. Angela, how are you doing? I'm good, Casey. I'm very good, and thank you for having me here. How, how have you been? Uh, better now. I, I had a bit of a health scare back in March, but uh, I don't know if uh, you heard about that from Rob or any of the guys. But I almost had a, I almost had a heart attack back in March, but uh, I'm I'm better now. So. Well, that that's good. That's good. I mean, you, you and I, we we gotta we gotta pay real close attention to our health, man, because we're not getting any younger, bro. Well, yeah, you know, it's uh, one of those old man things that kind of snuck up on me, and, uh, you know, every once in a while I'm reminded that I'm not 18 anymore, and, you know, when you don't have your health, not much else matters, as my father says, right? That's very, very true. A very wise man, very wise man. So what about yourself? You know, it's been a a couple of years since I've actually spoken with you. I mean, I know that we've kept in contact online, but, but it's been a while since you've been here. What have you been up to? Oh man! Well, you know, um, uh, wow! I, I, I've been kind of working uh, under the radar um, uh, for a while, um, really focused on developing uh, unscripted and scripted uh, concepts and, and shows for television, um, and it's 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 been a long and involved process, and I really just haven't had the uh, the time. Um, or the commitment you know, needed to have a, like a really really strong social media presence, which is why I haven't been on you know Twitter and Facebook and things like that as much as I used to, um, because I've been spending really every waking moment 
um, working with uh, a very select uh, team of uh, of people, and I don't want to give a shout out to my uh, my sister from another Mister, and that would be Ramona Ramona Torres Maramonte uh, up north Northern California. Uh, she and I and another friend of mine, Kali, we've just been really really working hard uh, trying to come up with um, something that. Uh, uh, you folks out there are going to want to see on television. So I, I got to ask you this: so, you know, speaking from a position of relative ignorance, uh, what is the development process like, or you know, the you know the idea crafting process uh, like, you know, between developing for TV versus developing for, you know, say a feature film? Uh, well, um, the the main difference uh, in developing for television and um, uh, versus developing for a film is that you have a shorter window to develop for television. Um, oh, really? You're looking, okay. Yeah, very, very much shorter window. I mean, you you can literally, and people have done this. You can work on a pro on a film project for decades, um, and it can still maintain some sort of uh, social or cultural relevance. Um, but as far as the TV networks are concerned, they're looking for a certain type of show um, which differs from season to season. So if you don't catch that season um, ahead, of the, ahead of the curve, you're out, and that project is basically dead, and then you have to develop something new. So the, the primary difference is just the shortage of time. I, I would have thought that it would have been the other way around, though. When you think of the length of, of uh, uh, you know, a TV show that you're looking at, a, a you know, sort of a longitudinal view of, uh, you know, crafting a story that would take place over a series of weeks or months, for that matter, uh, that it would take you longer to come up with a, a longer-term vision of that versus a, uh, a film that's relatively contained. Well, see, that's that's the beauty of television is that, you you just need to have an idea of what is going to be what your show will be like, um, you know, three to four years from now. You don't have to actually have it down in writing, right? Um, but you, I'm, I'm sorry, like written in stone, um, and it's going to evolve as as society changes and things become more relevant. Um, I mean, for for example, the the political landscape right now uh, is is no one could have predicted this uh, two years ago. So um, there are you can easily if you if you have an ongoing series you can easily now incorporate uh, some of the things that are going on nationally and internationally um, uh, in this political landscape into your show. Uh, so you really need to have just a a, a foundation. Um, but you're lucky in TV because you you change with the times. Um, in uh, in film, it's it's different because you're, you're you're you are writing something that has beginning, middle, and end, and it's that beginning, middle, and end, uh, you know, is contained within you know a two-hour um, show, you know, for lack of a better word. I, I, I can imagine too that there must be instances. I mean, I can think of a couple off the top of my head. Uh, you know, True Blood being one of them, where uh, certain characters resonate with people that you don't necessarily anticipate, and, and uh, I, I guess your vision would change a little bit, right? Like I, I remember in, uh, you know, True Blood was a series that my wife and I got hooked on, and, and the character of Lafayette was supposed to get killed at the end of the first season, but everybody liked him so much that they they excited to you know decided to extend the role and everything. Exactly, exactly, because it's it's an ever moving landscape. Um, and actually, just to kind of tag, tag on to that, uh, you look at um, uh, Breaking Bad. 
and you know here is this character that you uh, Walter White um, that you love to hate, and but who would have thought that the the slimy lawyer would end up getting a spinoff series of his own that does so well, you know, uh, and it's all because of the audience uh, audiences you know affectional connection with this person, and then the writers uh, and the and the the, the the executive behind the series says, well, wait a minute, you know, there, there is an opportunity here. Um, so in terms of the development uh, that you're working on, Angela, what can you share with us without tipping your hand uh, that, that you've been working on in terms of the, the ideas that you're pitching to networks? Oh, okay. Well, I'm, I'm working on a few unscripted um, projects. Um, and, you know, I will say this, I will say that, that is not my area of expertise, which is why I've I formed this. The really, it's, it's been going on uh, probably six years now. Okay, um, so when you say unscripted, just to interject, you, you're talking about reality shows or, or? Re- reality show, reality okay. show, a competition show, uh, docudramas, that kind of thing. Okay, um, all right. And so it's not my area of expertise, and I'm still in the learning process. So I defer to people who who know a lot, who know more about it than I do. And in this particular instance, uh, it's actually been two individuals, actually three, that I've been working with, and that's uh, my, my friend uh, Kali uh, McIver and then uh, Deanna uh, in um, uh, Atlanta, and then, of course, my friend uh, Ramona Maramonte in uh, Northern California. So we have been working together to develop and um, uh, just kind of complete the development process for a, a few a few. Uh, unscripted projects, um, and then on my own, uh, I've been working on many, many uh, scripted projects. Uh, particularly, I'm looking at stuff in the in the drama uh, field. But um, I'm I'm actually actually working on a <laughs> a unscripted uh, sci-fi um, uh, concept that's actually really, really kind of taken off and and gotten a mind of its own and. So I'm just kind of trying to hold on, catch the tiger by the tail, and see where it leads me. Unscripted sci-fi. That that sounds like a contradiction in terms. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and you know, it, it all it's all about how you maintain it, um, right. and, and frame it, um, because uh, the network that I'm you know working with it, for this one is actually Sci-Fi Network, um, and they have uh, a renewed commitment to science. And so whatever oh, you drink to them has to be science-based. So as long as the science is there and it's true, um, uh, you can put it in any kind of wrapper or container you want it to be in. But the science has got to be true. And, and you almost wonder why there, there haven't been more shows like that. Like when you think about it, I mean, you have kind of grudge match contests on pretty much every network that you could possibly think of, whether it's the Food Network and you're looking at a, a show like Iron Chef or, you know, any of the others that, that are out there. But, you know, why not, you know, uh, the, you know, a blunt force contest like that for, you know, inventors or anything like that? Well, you know, here's, here's the problem is that um, the the audience is such, is so niche that um, unfortunately, it, it doesn't always pull in the ratings um, and the and the viewership that you need to uh, to, to get the advertisers in, um, and so they they've got to kind of broaden it out, um, and you know, I hate to say dumb it down, but that's what they kind of have to do um, because of course you know you get the the science people involved, 
but you need to get the general um, public involved as well. And here's the amazing thing about uh, sci-fi, just to kind of keep going on that in this angle, um, the the bulk of their viewership is actually females over the age of 40. So um, it's kind of it's it's mind blowing when you you figure if you're going to develop something for them, you have to make sure you include that's this audience, or else you're you're losing the biggest part of that network. Yeah, I think uh, putting on the salesperson part of my brain there, I, I think the PC term for that is making it accessible. <laughs> uh, right? There you go. There you go. Exactly. Accessible. Accessible. It's not dumbing it down. It's making it accessible yes. to a bigger crowd. Yes, yes right? exactly. Yes. It's not cheap. It's cost effective. You know? <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. Exactly, and there's so, a lot of that, a lot of accessibility you have to incorporate into any <laughs> <see> now. <laughs> so, uh, as somebody who's gone down this road, uh, do you? I, I was kind of curious as to how this worked. Do you come with an idea in hand, or once you've actually been down this path, do they source you out for ideas that, that the network brings to you, or is it a combination of both? I, I guess what does that dynamic look like? It, well, it's a combination of both. However, um, you can't put the cart before the horse. Okay. Uh, meaning that you have to have an established uh, history of bringing uh, relevant and on-theme concepts to the network before they will reach out to you and say, hey, we've got this idea from somebody else. Can you come and work on it? Uh, so I'm still at that stage where um, I'm bringing – my stuff to them, they're not reaching out to me yet. But ultimately, that is the goal, uh, where the networks recognize your particular strength in one area or another, and when they have a project that is not uh, strong enough or not on, on, on brand for the network for that particular season, then they'll reach out to folks who they have uh, confidence in can um, elevate that uh, project and make it more accessible. Now, uh, just in terms of, of actually going through the mechanics of submitting something, and I, I've heard this a few times on this show from other people, but um, I've heard, and I could be wrong, and you know, I'll gladly let you correct me, but I, I've heard that a lot of places won't accept submissions from the outside, that they want to be the ones that come to people and say, look, we heard about this, and you know, you know they almost have to hear about you first, secondhand. Uh, do you find that there's a lot of that going on, or, or you know, what kinds of things do you employ to overcome objections like that? Um, well, one, yes, that is that is that's pretty much common, um, and there there are two reasons why it's common. Um, and one is the, the liability issue, uh, where it comes down to uh, you know issues of ownership. You know, right. who who does this project actually belong to? Um, and that when you start working with um, you know, two two brains on a particular project. It's like, okay, well, who does it belong to, and and by how much? What's what's the ratio? Um, and that that's a, that's a, a really big reason why uh, production companies and what have you, and you know, studios, agent managers don't want to look at unsolicited uh, projects. Um, now, uh, the the other reason is, and just quite simply, a lot of the stuff that. Uh, you know, people receive over the transom unsolicited is not very good, um, and it's it's not on brand for the network. Right. Um, and you know, people have not done their homework to see where the network is going in this next 
season. Uh, so they're, they're sending something based on, you know, last year's numbers, um, but, um, it's a, but it's not relevant now. You know, um, you know uh, USA has gone from – USA Network has gone from, you know, kind of a middle-of-the-road uh, affair to being really dark. And if you if you didn't recognize that and you kept writing for the you know the comedy aspect of it, you missed out whether your project was good or not. It was it's, it's the wrong network for it. Well, yeah, and you, and you touch on something. I mean, you, it's not the first time you touched on it during the course of this discussion. But reading the pulse of where the network is going is important, right? Like uh, absolutely. Yeah, you, you know whether uh, and and you see this all the time. You know, one year it's lawyer shows, one year it's medical shows, and uh, you know, one year it's zombies and and uh, or you know paranormal type stuff. And and uh, I mean, what I'm seeing a lot of now is you know kind of political anti-establishment characters. You know, like uh, right. Like House of Cards and and you know things like that, right? Yeah, like House of Cards. Uh, then on the flip side, you've got uh, Mr. Robot um, on, on that end. Uh, and then of course, you know, with with uh, with Game of Thrones, there's, there's been this um, throwback into into big epic you know fantasies and people trying to incorporate that. Uh, you know, of course, making it more cost effective than Game of Thrones. But so you you're going to see more of that kind of stuff coming up across the board with the networks because those other shows have done very well. Um, so, you know, the, the, the networks tend to follow a trend, and the trend is based on what people are watching, but then what people are watching changes, and so the network also has to change. Well, the, the pressure to compete must be incredible, too, though. I mean, if you look at – I don't even view half of what I see on TV now as uh, – uh, you know, as TV shows anymore. I mean, something like Game of Thrones is the caliber of anything you would see in a movie theater almost, right? Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. It, it's episodic storytelling on a different level. And, uh, you know, you almost wonder where they come up with them. You know, they're getting name brand people who traditionally wouldn't even look at a television series. And, right. You know, now, now, now right. they're you're getting Academy Award winners in there, and, and uh, you, you wonder where the money comes from. It, 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 it's mind-blowing. Right, exactly, exactly, and and that is the thing that that makes the difference here is that um, uh, there used to be that uh, uh, you know, and I'm gonna be you know reveal my age here, but a long, long, long time ago, you know, a lot of these uh, uh, A-list actors would turn their nose up at television. You know, it was it was considered a uh, a lower medium, um, but now. You know, you've got A-list actors, you've got some of, some of the best B actors, and then you've got incredibly well-funded production companies all vying for a spot on television. And that's because the what used to be a, you know, what, five or six channels is now several hundred channels. So there's always room for, you know, another another hit show. And um, it's a and it's a very lucrative industry. So it's competitive, but the payoff uh, is is huge. So let's get down to the book. What, what uh, made you decide to write this book uh, that you currently uh, got on the crowdfunding trail there? And, and uh, what kind of what kind of help are you trying to inject into the uh, into the community by by providing a thing like this? Well, I'll tell you, um, Casey. When I when I when I decided to make my very first film, my very first short film, um, and it was called Get Spielberg. It's online someplace. 
uh, and it was a parody, satire, comment, you know, I'm a, I'm a filmmaker, so I'm going to write about how tough it is to get into the filmmaking industry, that kind of thing. Um, but when I wanted to do that, there was no one wanted to share the information with me. Every, I, was, uh, I was volunteering at, um, uh, with the Film Independent. Actually, it wasn't Film Independent at the time. It was the, the previous name, uh, IFP, the right. Independent Film Project. Right. Um, so, I, so I was meeting, you know, these, these powerful, strong, uh, you know, upwardly mobile uh, filmmakers, but nobody would share that information, even just about where to rent equipment. So that's when I first started blogging, and, um, and and my purpose in blogging was to share all of my experiences, good and bad, on my journey to make this first film, and I did. And I think it just kind of kept kept the ball rolling. Um, so, you know, it, it's been uh, two years since I got those two, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, development deals, and as I look back and said, I just kind of realized that, you know, the four years that I've spent um, learning how to pitch because I hated pitching. I absolutely loathed it. I would be shaking in my boots. That's, that's, what, that's how terrifying it was to me to becoming, to making that transformation where, you know, I walk into a room and there's, you know, the top people from, uh, you know, all these cable networks sitting across to me and, and, um, and, and I'm fine. You know, uh, and I, I figured let, let me share all of these experiences with the people out there who are interested in television, um, and 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 need to become better pitchers, uh, because if you are even if you're interested in film, pitching is going to be a big part of what you have to do. That's just that's just a massive part of the business of making uh, movies, uh, as as much as it is a massive part of the business of making TV. Um, yep. so I wrote well, yeah, and, and uh, you know, the one thing that like, I keep going back to, uh, you know, <laughs> again, based on my own professional training is that, you know, I, I tell people, I said, yes, it's great to be a creative person, but you've also got to be one hell of a salesman too, right? To, Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, and, and not, not to mistake it with, you know, these, uh, these, you know, parody type versions of the guy who sounds like a car salesman and all that kind of stuff. Cause that was never my goal. And I know I can never be that person. However, you know what, based on what my strengths were, that's what I, what I concentrated on and focused on when I decided that, um, you know, pitching, I needed to be better at it. Uh, and so the book is called four years to a TV deal. So it, it encompasses those four years of, of the first year I didn't want to pitch and I did everything I, I could do to avoid pitching. Um, to the point where in the in the last um, year, uh, I literally ran on what uh, thirty pitches in six months, um, and there, there are times I had three in one day, and, um, and and the experiences weren't always you know like I walked out of there like on top of the world like walking on sunshine, you know sometimes I came down my my chin was hanging down below my knees because you know I I, I took a beating inside the meeting. Um, and, and so I wanted, I wanted to, to kind of show the world from a real perspective because I'm just like everybody else. I'm still out there trying to do my thing. Um, you know, I, I, I haven't had a film screen at Sundance. You know, I'm not the big talk of the independent film town, whatever. I'm just a regular guy. Uh, I've been lucky to actually um, spend some time uh, inside the pitch room, though. So from your perspective, um, you know, walking in there from your materials, 
you know, the, the mm-hmm. uh, whether it's a PowerPoint presentation or a five-minute demo reel or whatever it is that you're going to provide. What are some of the things that you like to arm yourself with to make sure that you're as prepared as possible going into that? Um, first and foremost is a powerful and concise log line. That's the first thing. And and a log line is an ever-evolving process. Um, you know, what, what I've written for a log line a year ago, if I look at it now, I'm going to look at it and say, oh, God, this is not good enough. Um, so it's an ever-evolving process. So, so you just need to get it to the best it can be just before you walk into that room. Um, I also need, like to have a very simple but um, uh, visually creative um, uh, proposal. And it's usually, for me, it's usually two to five pages um, because the, the, the goal of going in for a pitch meeting is not to walk in and have everybody sign on the dotted line and hand you a check. It's actually to get to the next meeting. That's what every meeting is about. Um, and then eventually you get to enough, enough meetings, and then somebody's going to hand you a check. Um, so I like to have those two things, the log line and a very strong and visually um, uh, visually strong uh, uh, proposal. Now, if I am uh, going to be pitching unscripted, you I have to. It's a must. You don't walk in there without a sizzle reel. You have to. You don't walk in there without a what? I'm sorry. Without a sizzle reel. Oh, sizzle reel. Okay. All sizzle right. reel. Yeah, you need that in order to show them what your vision is. Because it, uh, it's hard to do that with unscripted with just words. Well, the other thing is, too, is you, you touch on something else that's important, too, is being able to say as much as possible using the, few, using the fewest amount of words, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And your log line, your log line is going to be your first introduction. I've gotten pitch meetings based simply on a log line that I submit. Nothing else, just a log line. And it's enough uh, and it's on brand for them to say, okay, I want to hear more. Come on in. Okay, so you go in, you have the meeting, rightly or wrongly, you, you either feel like you've taken a shellacking or you feel like you've done well, right? Uh, right. If you're, if you're at the point where you feel like you've done well, I'm going to ask you a tough question because I've got uh-huh. very specific opinions on this myself. Okay. Uh, how soon is too soon to follow up? Uh, I, I give it a month. That long? You know, some people, yeah, I give it a month, yeah. Really? Uh, because these, these guys are busy, you know. Um, m- m- for the, they're usually squeezing me in in like a, a 20, 30-minute window of a full day of meeting with people. So it's um, – uh, and then they still have their network responsibilities to deal with the shows that they're already developing and already working on and riders that they already have to, you know, hold by the hand and, and take them along the way. So I give it a month. Um, and at that time, if they haven't contacted me, I'll reach out to them. But then I, I pretty much figure, okay, well, you know, it's, it's probably a done deal. Uh, if they, you know, fall head over heels in love with your idea, you'll hear from them sooner. You'll hear from them within like a week. Right. And that's always, you know, good to know that you're moving along the process. Um, but I, I, I wait a month because, you know, um, one, I, I'm always working on something else. So I, I I pitch and then I move on and I you know I wait um, and then um, I you know I just accept the fact that um, not everything is going to be on target for them. 
Or on brand. No, that was not the answer I was expecting from you. I learned something new. <laughs> <laughs> it shows you the difference between the business you work in and the business I work in. The business I work in, if you don't do it within 48 hours, people lose their oh. jobs. Oh, yeah. So, wow, 48 hours is like 48 hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, 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 they want you back on the phone right away. Yeah. So, oh, wow. That, that's uh, that's the nature of the beast where uh, where I come from. But, Oh, but yeah. uh, the, the, the book itself now, uh, well, where are you at with this? And, uh, you know, for the last couple of minutes that you and I have together, where are you at with this and, and you know, how and when are you planning on publishing it? Okay, well, the, the book is going to be out in December, uh, right around the time for the holidays. Okay, um, good. All right. I am, I have a an Indiegogo campaign to raise some funds for, for professional editing and uh, some book design and some you know some graphic stuff and you know and publishing and uh, marketing and that kind of thing going on, um, but essentially the book is ninety percent written. Uh, it'll be completed uh, next month and then it'll go into uh, editing and then re- ready to come out by the end of the year. Well, if you need a beta reader for it, then then I'd certainly be happy to uh, to volunteer to do that, and and or, or a review or anything like that. I'm trying to get a little bit more writing down myself, so if you need the help, it's oh good. great, yeah, great, great. I've I've uh, I've brought in my my family to uh, my daughter actually. Uh, she's going to be going off to college pretty soon, so she's been helping me um, by being my 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 compiler. Um, and grabbing, you know, these, these relevant uh, posts that I've written in over the last five years, and uh, 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 put them together in a fashion so I can go in and link them together with some real life, um, you know, statuses of where I was at the time and what was going on, uh, because it, it was a roller coaster ride, Casey. I mean, it literally was a roller coaster ride, and there was a lot of um, personal things that I was going through at the time. Uh, I'm not sure if you remember, but uh, uh, during the end part uh, of this four-year process, uh, I was hospitalized for um, 18 days with with heart issues. Um, And so that took me out of the game. But then I had to, when I got out and got well, I had to, you know, work on my mind and psyche to get back into the game again. Um, So, like I said, it was was a major, massive roller coaster ride. And I want to share all of that, you know, because I think that there are some some things that I will express or you'll read in the book where you say, where some folks will say, well, how in the hell did he still manage to keep doing it? And I want to, my, my, what I want to tell folks is that, yeah, you can do it too, you know. We all have a lot of shit going on in our lives, but you can still focus on that one thing that you're passionate about. Well, yeah, and I'm I'm of the mindset now, having gone through a similar experience, that you learn something about yourself going through something like that that you can't learn any other way. Right, absolutely, absolutely. It's it's sad, but it's true. You know, it's true. Yeah. So, uh, closing thoughts here: Where can people go to learn more about what you're doing and, and get engaged with you online and all that other fun stuff? Excellent. Well, you can if you Google Angelo Bell, uh, and then uh, four years to a TV uh, to a TV deal and Indiegogo, you'll go right to my Indiegogo page. So I'll give you the link right now. It's igg. dot me slash at slash four TV deal. That's the number four 
TV deal. And that's the shortcut link to take you right to my uh, Indiegogo page, where you actually also uh, get a chance to um, pre-order not just four years for a TV deal, but um, a, a, uh, a screenplay that I adapted into a novel, and that's a perfect weapon. That's my action thriller. It's actually a, a sexy psychological uh, action thriller. So you get a chance to uh, pre-order both of them um, because I am, uh, and I, I'll, I'll announce it right here on your show, Casey, Let her making, go. making another uh, transition or stepping into the realm of uh, novel writing and, and authorship. Um, I actually, in the last two years, I finished two books, two fiction books, in addition to the nonfiction book, Four Years for TV Dale. Okay, now I'm going to bait the hook here and go fishing a little bit. Have you ever thought about taking either of these projects and, and working it into a graphic novel? Yes. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And the one, and you you'll get a kick out of this. The 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 uh, book that um, I have thought about turning into a graphic novel is the My Heart of Heart, and that's Legend of Black Lotus. I, and you and I have been talking about that project for years, right? So, yes. Uh, yes. I, I, and I could easily picture that as a graphic novel. I love graphic novels. Yes. That, that's, yes. Uh, that, that's a weakness of me. So. Yes. yes. So things uh, go well with these two books, and uh, by the end of the year, um, then I can set aside some time to devote towards, because I know I, I have to learn about the graphic novel of, uh, development and publishing, and the, the, I have to learn about that whole process because it's new to me. Uh, which makes it more exciting. Um, but I'm, I'm a novice, and I want to make sure that um, whatever I do is going to be a really good um, good entry point. So you're on Twitter at uh, Angela Bell, right? And uh, people can look you up by, uh, on Facebook there by uh, looking at your picture. One more quick plug for your website there. Sure. Uh, my website uh, for Indiegogo is igg.me slash at at slash four tv deal uh but you can find me on uh facebook um and the angelo bell and my production company uh page is kiss hug five no spaces all one word kiss hug five angelo what can i tell you it's been great fun catching up with you it's been way too long and uh certainly if you need my help you know that it's there right I appreciate it, man, definitely, and I will take advantage of that. <laughs> okay, great. So uh, we'll definitely be in touch soon. Uh, so that's going to about do it for me today. Uh, I'm going to be back on Sunday at my usual time at uh, 2 o'clock Eastern. Derek Sellers-Sano is going to be here along with Captain Cronin. Uh, and uh, with a big thank you to my guest, Angela Bell, today. You've been listening to Casey Ryan on the cutting room floor. Cut, print, wrap, and I am done. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.